and welcome, citizens of Dark Rose City. You have arrived at episode 39 of Dark Rose Comics 39. Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry E., and I'm joined by my co-host, Victor Young. If you are new to this podcast, this is a podcast where two nerdy guys brew themselves a nice hot cup of coffee, and then we sit down to break down, analyze, and discuss some of the new books, new comic books specifically, coming to the local comic shop. The coffee we'll be brewing today is called Adipi, I think I get that right, roasted by Dispatch Coffee, and the comics we'll be discussing today are Blackbird number 3, Batman number 60. Justice League number 13, Venom number 9, and Shazam number 1. It is a big, loaded week. Jam-packed. Jam-packed with material. Packed full of jam. <laughs> just packs of jam. We're just handing out packs of that's jam. That's it. Yep. Five packs of so, jam you today. You know, that's just, it's a healthy part of breakfast. I don't Long, know Along healthy. with peanut butter. So. Peanut butter and jam. Maybe sometimes lunch. If you like the show, please hit that subscribe button okay. on the podcast <laughs> service provider of your choice. We can be found on podcast services all around the world. So alongside we're hitting that subscribe button, let us know how we're doing. Hit up iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a rating, and make sure to tell everybody you know about this podcast. So before we get into our comics for the week, before we even talk about the coffee we'll be having, how's your, weight, how, how's your week been? How's my weight? That's really insensitive, Jerry. <laughs> I was going to say day, and then I was going to say week, and then I mixed it up. And that's, I was like, how's your weight? That's really insensitive. You know, you don't just go around asking people what their weight is, Jerry. Wow. That's unbelievable. Anyways. <laughs> I feel like we know each other close enough that... Not that close. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've hopped back into Dual Com Battle. It's, nice. Uh, back into it. Uh, not but quite a different as, approach. In a different approach. Different approach. Different approach. It's uh, I'm going into it with a very free to play mentality now. Okay. Very free to play, which you know it's kind of a little unfair to other free to play players because I wasn't necessarily a free to play player to begin with. So yeah. <laughs> now going back into the game, I can still just crush events. <laughs> so sort of. I have a bit of an advantage of going back into the game, but now it's now it's pretty much get all the free stones possible. Yeah. And yeah, just, yeah. we'll leave it at that. And getting the free stones, that's kind of like prepping up to the uh, the Broly thing that's coming out, right? The Gogeta gonna, Blue banner. Yeah, so they're going to have that banner come out. So it's really prepping up for that to see what we can pull on there. But it's definitely better because they have been giving out a lot of stones. As of as back. of recently, like as soon as as, recently, as soon yeah. as as soon as I said no, nah, I'm done with this game. They're like, you know, come back, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, we hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> Says everybody about the Vegeta banner. They were just like, yeah, we're done. We're yeah, done with this game. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But you know, at least at least they acknowledge they acknowledge yeah. that you know they weren't very fair about how the game was running up until recently. Even now, I don't think they're going about it the right way. But it's a step up, yeah. and I am now playing this game with caution. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it's the best way to put it. Yeah. What about you, Jerry? What you been up to this week? Well, just more Destiny, a lot more Destiny. You know, why would you? The, uh, why would you ever mention anything else? Well, I was actually about to. I was about to, and then okay, just you gotta listen. You know. Sure. Okay. Go get on. Get into it. All right. Go but on. Destiny. So we've been playing a lot. I've been playing a lot of Destiny. Just uh, grinding out powerful gears. You know stuff like that to like increase my light level, so hopefully I can get to the uh, get to the cap soon and start doing some raids. But 
there's another mobile game I've been playing, and it's actually uh, just started playing not very long ago. Um, and you you know how you were talking about how Dokkan is treating it a little differently now, but still not quite there. Yeah. A lot of other games that are like gacha based games, like you know you have to like summon for units or whatever. A lot of those games give you free summons uh-huh. to use, uh-huh. like you know based on like once daily or stuff like that. Or if you get a bunch of bad units, it'll be like here, here's your better drop rate for a better unit and blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah. I've been playing this other game and like this game gives you free summons every day. Okay. And it's like oh, okay, that's kind of cool. And it's uh, the game's called Epic Seven. It's pretty cool, and it's uh, very. It's basically an anime uh-huh. inspired type thing. You know, it's that type of art style, but uh, the way it, it's a very polished game for a mobile game. Yeah. So I'm actually uh, having quite a lot of fun with it, and they give you free summons every day. So I was like, okay, that's uh, I'll take it. Uh-huh. You know, even if you get something good, something bad it doesn't matter. It's free. Even right? uh, even Dragon Ball Legends. Yeah, they do some stuff too, right? Like uh, recently, I think it was today or yesterday, actually. Um, again, we record on the weekend before the release, so yeah, it's coming out either, or this happened either today, which is Saturday, or yesterday, which is Friday. Uh, but Legends just uh, as a login bonus provided like two thousand crystals or something like that <laughs> as a login bonus, which is nice. equivalent to a hundred and one stones in Dokkan battle okay all right which is like two multi summons yeah two multis that's hey that's free. and it's free yeah it's free so Dokkan step up your game Dokkan's got to step up. I think Dokkan notes like they have people in their clutches so they just don't need to but the recent shaft on Vegeta really turned a lot of people sour so I think that's why like they're starting to let loose a little bit put out some yeah. events give out some free stones but uh, you know different approach now so you live and you learn you know you live and you learn yeah so uh <laughs> why don't we go ahead let's go uh brew that coffee we'll come back and uh let's go talk some comics let's do it and we're at the comic segment and in this segment what we do is we take some of the newest books to hit the local comic shop and then we uh talk about them we discuss them we analyze them. We talk about some of the themes that are in these books. And this week, we have got a pretty gem-packed segment. We've got five books to discuss this Pack week. Pack full of gem. Pack, packs of gem. Packs just, of just, gem. Let's go. There's a lot of gem. So let's let's get let's get it going. Let's kick it off. Victor, why don't you tell us about the coffee we'll be having for this segment? Our coffee that we're having for this segment, for this week. Oh, yeah. Called, actually, yeah, before the week. It's not just Well, yeah, segment, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's called uh, Adipi. Uh, from a country called Guatemala. Okay. Not sure if you've heard of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have had many a coffees, and it's from a it's from a, from a region Guatemala. that we've had coffee from before. Oh yeah. Uh, Tenanago. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We've had coffee. Yeah, there yeah, from. yeah. Um, I've heard it. I remember. And that. it's been roasted by Dispatch Coffee out in Montreal, Quebec. Very so delicious. Our, by our the neighbors, way. the ECA, it's very good. Yeah. Very good. The first couple of sips we had so far have been uh, very delightful. Very, very delightful. All right. So thanks, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for that intro. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> so the first book we're going to talk about is Blackbird number three. Now, before I give you sort of that description, I will say, spoiler warning for those who don't know, uh, because of the way we're going to be breaking down some of these books and because we have to kind of talk about some of the plots and the things that unfolded, um, we will be giving spoilers for the show 
So if you haven't already read these books, please go hit up your local comic shop, pick those up, and then just uh, read them first, and then come back, and then, you know, hear what we have to say. But definitely do read the books first, or else there will be minor plot details, or even major plot details, that will be spoiled throughout the episode. Okay, so without further ado, Blackbird number three. It's written by Sam Humphreys, with art by Jen Bartell, layout, layout artist Paul Rywand, colors by Triona Farrell, and letters by Jody Wynn. So what'd you think about this uh what'd you think about this issue? I think that um that the world building for Blackbird is well underway. I think that this issue really opened the floodgates for what it means to be a paragon uh, or at least visually what it means to be a paragon right um because now we have nina who's uh diving in much deeper into this world now Mm -hmm. so she's getting to experience the the space in which paragons exist yeah um and it's very much in the same space that regular civilians exist yeah but it's almost like in a like in a off dimension yeah you know what i mean like it's it's in the it's within the same physical space but in a different dimension mm-hmm. and it's very cool it is it is and especially the way it's illustrated i think it's it shows that for me it shows two things it shows that they are a cut above in terms of what they're able to see yeah. and what they're able to do yeah. in this world, right? But mm-hmm. it also shows me a connection, a connection of them in the regular world because really they're just, they act and talk and do things like normal people except they have these gifts and these abilities, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. and they're also operating in the same world except right. what they see is almost like a like an augmented reality type of thing. Yeah, so like they, it like, shows that they're still connected. Yeah, like they still see the reality as it is now. Yes, there's just a few more things on top of that. Exactly, which uh, really define their existence as paragons. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's cool that it is still taking place within the world, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Now, also, you know, saying that we do also see the. Um, the scene where they're coming out of a what was it a taco truck yeah which right? ends up being like a whole club <laughs> an entire club <laughs> and i thought that was pretty cool because like it also goes to show like just like the places you don't see places you don't go and try to discover or look and stuff like that that's where a lot of the wonders are right which and you know it's is the way it is in, exactly. in real life right exactly. like you know you 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 have no idea of the things that exist outside of the scope of your own personal experience. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, like, you can certainly, just like Nina did, you can certainly read about that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like, she like she knows about Paragons and, and the different kind of, I guess, cast or cadres that exist within, uh, within that world. But her seeing it for the first time, it's like, it's crazy astonishing, right? Just as if, you know, we can read about what it's like to, say, for example, go and visit Switzerland. We can read what it's like in Switzerland. But yeah. until we go there and, and experience Switzerland, we don't really know what it's like. Exactly. Yeah. Right? 
So in in the same vein as like a lot of those um a lot of those like um like wonders in the world it's hard to imagine just how wondrous they are until you're there mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and Nina sort of you know sort of pointed at that a little bit in the issue is that she was saying how I've seen this thing a million times but it wasn't until he gave her the ability to see those additional things yeah. or those like things beyond what they're capable of seeing mm-hmm. that she's like wow this is really this is really wonderful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right and but a lot of times like a lot of things are within your eyesight or within your field of vision you just don't pick up on it yeah right until someone draws your attention to it and you're like wow you know that 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 is pretty significant mm-hmm. so i do think this issue established that quite a bit and it gave us a better look at just what kind of a world those guys live in, what kind of a world the Paragon mm-hmm. live in, and it's uh, it's pretty cool, and it's really well drawn out as well. So I think like that also plays a huge factor. Yeah, in it. and I think as a reader, it's exciting to know that moving forward, this is the world that we'll be experiencing Blackbird through moving forward. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, exactly. You no, know, as opposed to. You know the first two issues where uh, Nina is really living the story through the reality in which we know it as of now. Now we're sort of getting to experience this new this new world with her, mm-hmm. and and that's what the experience is going to be moving forward. Now, whether whether the that environment will continue to have the same impact on us moving forward, we don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it will, um, but as of this point moving forward, I'm very excited. Yeah, uh, to sure. know that that's the environment we'll be experiencing as readers. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I want to talk about that little reveal at the end. Okay. <laughs> so spoilers, obviously, you should read that. You should read this before you get spoiled. Um, Listen, they so get it, her... okay, Jerry? They get it. I'm getting right. to. I'm getting to. <laughs> <laughs> Her mother makes an appearance back. So it turns out her mother's still alive. And it turns out that she has, in fact, been a paragon yeah. this whole time. Yeah. And and someone in the pretty powerful position as well, I would I would think. It seems like she is in like some sort of ruler of some kind. Yeah. Like Yeah. I again we don't know exactly how this world is laid out yet in terms of their hierarchy. Mm-hmm. But I imagine that she's like a ruler of some sort of kingdom or she's a higher ranking official. Mm-hmm. Something to that extent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's it's pretty cool because it gave us an idea of why. Um, because up until now, like you, you don't really know what had happened to the mother, I guess. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I think we, we were sort of discussing this off air, Victor, that. There were parts where we had thought like, hey, they're mentioning her a lot Mm -hmm. for a character that no longer exists in the book, right? Yeah. So, Which made this reveal not much of a surprise to me. Exactly. Like, I know we talked about it before, Jerry, um, where, you know, an outcome like this is sort of expected. Exactly. At that point, I mean, they've only been talking about her mother for half of the last two issues exactly right? yeah like they alluded to it quite a bit 
Um, and you know how in the last issue, uh, this was a couple of episodes ago, where I would talk to you about, I would say like, it's kind of weird that she just goes to her dad mm-hmm. for for support, mm-hmm. knowing that her dad's not there. Yeah, like not really there for her, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but now you can, I mean, you can kind of see why, in a sense, like everyone around her that she can even remotely depend on is gone. The only mm-hmm. physical being that can be there is her dad. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's a little bit of a different story if the mom, like if like if she died or something and then they buried her or whatever, like she could like, she could still, Nina can still go physically to the gravestone or something, right? We've seen that a lot mm-hmm. play out in other fiction, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in this particular case, like she literally had nothing no physical thing to go to so she went to her dad for yeah. support right even though she still didn't get the support mm-hmm. so here it's nice because she it, it helped her confirm a few things and it also puts her in the right path of of now reconnecting with her mother and also there's gotta be a reason like she now knows that her sister's most likely safe because yeah. the same creature the same beast took her sister and is acting as a a conduit for her mother right right so in a, in a sense like you can see the relief on her that, yeah like a lot of that burden has been lifted off mm-hmm. and obviously <clears throat> things are going to change for nina as a character moving forward yes right because not only does her mother come back but now she has more people in which she can rely on exactly right? yeah um now that it's revealed that Clint is playing a big role in in protecting her, whatever that means, mm-hmm. we don't we still don't know why she needs to be protected or why she's being seeked. Uh, so she can now, I guess, reliably count on Clint for th- certain things. Yes, as well as the cats, which uh, we don't again we don't know who it is yet. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure that the cat will play a prominent role in horse in her story moving forward. Um, but again, even with the reveal of her mother, we don't know what that means. Yeah. Right. Like, why is she coming back now after all this time? Why decide to get um her sister now of all this time mm-hmm. uh, of all times? Uh, like why now? Yeah. Why now? I think that's yeah. that's probably the better question to ask. Right. So, um, I mean we shouldn't be too relieved for her character yet uh, because I do foresee still quite a bit of heartbreak for her uh, moving forward even in in recent issues that are going to come out Mm -hmm. so I think uh, this is a good issue for opening up the floodgates because now we're just getting a whole bunch of information right yeah and then it's up to the future issues moving forward to sort of pick out that information and really define it for us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so um, do you have any uh, parting thoughts on the book before we uh, move on to our next book? Um, no, again, it was it was an expected outcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do think it's it's going to be exciting though. That uh, sorry to cut you off real quick, but I do think it's exciting that she's she's had. She's she's very much in awe of the power mm-hmm. in front of her, mm-hmm. and she's but she's had reservations because her main goal is to find her sister. Yeah. Now that she kind of knows 
that's I guess kind of taken care of it'll be cool to see if she moving forward starts to utilize this power sort of given to her and mm-hmm. like and sort of take off with it yeah you know? and again like I said a lot of things are going to change for her moving forward yeah. and I'm excited to see where those changes are going to happen mm-hmm. right like are we going to see a, a change in her character fundamentally and how she behaves her personality how does that change her addiction yeah right yeah uh so again we'll we'll see where the story is going to take that information for us right Mm -hmm. yeah for sure okay so why don't we go ahead and move on to our second book and that's batman number 60 it's written by tom king with art by michael and i'm just gonna stealth that in there and jorge fornes uh colors by jordi belair and letters by clinton cowles so two artists on this book, and they sort of go back and forth on the uh, art duties. And, and I got to say, it's really well done. Yeah, it, it, it works for this particular issue. Yeah. Um, especially because the art style really matches what but, Batman like, is doing in this yeah. issue, which is just a whole bunch of punching people <laughs> yeah. and asking them the same question, right? Yeah. Um, very similar to uh, Aquaman, Justice League, Drowned Earth. Mm-hmm issue one which we reviewed last week in which we found that 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 switch in art style just didn't work as well yeah but in this case it works really well and um the art in itself tells a story exactly right for um for both sides of um uh, both sides of the story that's being told within this issue Mm -hmm. because we were saying that before too on on the aquaman one is that it works if the stories don't conflict Mm-hmm. Right. If the stories don't intersect, you can treat it as something that had happened in a different time or something that has happening in a different space. Right. And right? I think we both agreed last week that on that point uh, in which that would have worked better for that issue. Exactly. And yeah. now it's obviously being enacted in this issue. Mm-hmm. And it just again, it just works so much better. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And the issue itself, I I enjoyed, mm-hmm. um, especially with that big reveal at the end. Um, yeah, it just just turns out to be one of those weeks with just a lot of reveals. But especially with that reveal at the end, I think it it puts a lot more. There's a lot more um, serious tone to what is going to happen next. I think the way they've done. <clears throat> The way they've done the this penguin arc right now, you, it, it didn't seem as prominent as I thought it would be with the penguin. He's really just like this sort of ancillary yeah character. because they they've really hyped up uh, penguin and Batman to be this new sort of short term tandem that's going to be working together moving forward mm-hmm. right in the next couple of issues, but it. Beyond Penguin providing Batman with information, it hasn't really gone beyond that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they've, again, they've made them out to be this new partnership, yet Penguin hasn't done much besides, again, provide Batman with information and cry a mm. lot about Penny. Uh, <laughs> which, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's a sad story, mm-hmm. right? But uh, you can't really call that a partnership. Especially when Penguin interacted more with Alfred in this issue than he did Batman. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. And those that I think that interaction is really interesting. It is. Um it's still it's going to take a bit to decipher, I think. Um poetry has been a pretty heavy portion yeah, of this. Except arc. It, maybe not too much because the penguin himself pretty much breaks down that poem for us and as and why it's important in this issue. Yeah, but I think aside from it being important for the issue, I think it there's a a bigger connection to the poems that were happening in the earlier issue. Okay. Right? Um because he recited a different poem, I believe, when um when Batman was sort of making his way to the penguin. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting because that's that that has now become the backbone of this arc. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> But then in the foreground, it's just Batman punching dudes. Mm-hmm. And he punched a lot of dudes. Oh, he punched a whole, a whole bunch. <laughs> so so many that uh, Commissioner Gordon had just, just had enough of him. Broke the bat signal and basically is turning his back on Batman. Mm-hmm. Which I think is... It's sad, but also the point of why they're putting Batman through this mm-hmm. right because they want to um, they want to break Batman down fundamentally all the way to the relationships that he has in Gotham mm-hmm. right so once you get Gotham PD um, against you no longer on your side like you're really fighting an uphill battle yeah for sure right because now you gotta i mean it and it's not a it's not a battle that batman's not used to <laughs> right he's always fighting villains he's always fighting gotham pd uh but this time like they're they're really against him like he always had he always had commissioner gordon on his side and now that he's no longer there i don't know what batman can do moving forward without meeting a lot of resistance Right, and it's it's unfortunate it's gotten to that point and I think Batman really is just reeling from not finding out what he set out to find out Mm -hmm. right and it's crazy because that that idea of trust really is shattered in the in the in this arc in Mm -hmm. particular Mm -hmm. in particular right because he's now getting all these like B-list villains that came out and they're giving him the the identical story. Like, Bane just sat there, mm-hmm. right? But then, who do you trust, mm-hmm. right? I think we had talked about in one of the previous uh, previous issues, uh, last one or the one before, where I was saying that Batman, if Batman trusts the Penguin then there will be a certain outcome. And if Batman trusts Bane and what he saw in Arkham, then it means that someone is still in control of Penguin's actions. I think that was two issues ago. I think it was two I issues, I think it was 58. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because of that, like he's still in the same conundrum now with these new guys, these new villains that came out of Arkham. Mm-hmm. Because he's trying to get sort of like sort of this first-hand experience from these guys and they all give him an identical story mm-hmm. right that Bane really is just sitting there broken mm-hmm. you know um, so who who can you trust like who do you trust 
And ultimately, how do you know when to stop? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest sort of like biggest takeaway from everything that was happening in this issue. You know, up until the reveal at the end. When do you know what like when is the stopping point? When mm-hmm. do you stop punching guys and accept it? Mm-hmm. And if you do come to accept it, does does it now invalidate everything else? Mm-hmm. Or does it validate everything else? Mm-hmm. Right? So I think he's stuck in this he's stuck in a conundrum where he can't stop. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Commissioner Gordon put it best, right? Like all Batman sees is just dark. Yeah. Right? And this is one of those situations where Batman hasn't really thought of the outcome all the way out to the end. Mm-hmm. Right? Where I think this this level of uncertainty and this level of emotional outrage has really trapped Batman in this in this cage where he's just continuing the same actions over and over again on more or less the same kind of individuals and the outcome is always going to be the same but he's expecting something different yeah. every time right and it's, which is that classic example of insanity right? yeah and yeah. that's that's not batman yeah right but that this again this is part of the plan mm-hmm. right and now they're going to introduce thomas wayne spoilers. to sorry spoilers to whatever to <laughs> they did listeners you know what you're getting into with this uh you know what we're about uh, um this introduction of thomas, thomas wayne and to really really just keep throwing wrenches at him yeah. like it's just and, and we're talking about flashpoint thomas wayne like, flashpoint uh, thomas wayne. batman yeah and He's not the last guy. Like, there's still Gotham Girl. Um, I can't remember who else was was there. And yeah, well, Psycho Pirates there, but he's already sort of yeah. And then and then at that point you have you still have Bane himself, mm-hmm. right? So I just don't see this getting any better for Batman for the next little while, and it's gonna be. And if you really love Batman as a character, this is going to be some really painful reads mm-hmm. moving forward, right? Now, let's talk about that reveal real quick before we move on to uh, to the next book. With Thomas Wayne reveal, it it's odd because you don't know if that's... First of all, he's under the cowl, so you don't know if it's really Thomas Wayne. Mm-hmm. Second, you don't know why he would do something like that now this mm-hmm. i think goes back throughout this arc with the idea of trust if you trust that thomas wayne comes in with bad intention then does that mean that thomas wayne is really trying to break batman himself because mm-hmm. he's because maybe he's just sick of seeing batman or maybe he was brainwashed or whatever psycho pirate all that stuff right? yeah if you believe that Thomas Wayne came in with good intentions, is this entire is this entire situation of what they're putting Batman through a way for him to a way for Thomas to tell him be like, "Hey, everyone is against you now. Even the city is against you. You don't need to be 
this figure anymore. Mm-hmm. You have a whole identity that is protected from all this yeah. madness. Be- because I believe in Flashpoint, uh, Thomas Wayne finds out that Bruce ends ends up as Batman. Yes, and I I know for a fact that Thomas was very against that. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't believe that Bruce should ever have become Batman. Yeah. Right. So maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe this is the reason why he's doing it because he just doesn't believe that Bruce should have ever been Batman in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And that's like his way of convincing Bruce, like, don't do this anymore. It's not a, it's not a very good way, but it's a very Batman way of doing it. It's a very Batman way of doing it. Right. And it's a very convincing way to do it. If you Mm -hmm. ask me, Mm -hmm. because ultimately when, when the Batman persona is no longer needed or asked for, or protected in that city, like you, you no longer have the GCPD's backing. Mm-hmm. Then what is that persona really for, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you have this other persona in Bruce Wayne, where you can just live your life, mm-hmm. right? And I think ultimately that's kind of the the, the road they want to push him down on. Yeah, right. So I think that may be what the appearance is for, um, and that could be sort of the direction they go moving forward. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the direction. Um, I just don't see any reason why he would have any ill intentions mm-hmm. um but again like it's this whole thing so far other than the penguin hasn't really gone in batman's favor right so um again i wouldn't be surprised if 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 those were his intentions, but I also wouldn't be surprised if things turned the other way too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let's go ahead and wrap up Batman number 60. Let's go to our next book. Justice league. Number 13 It's written by James tiny and the fourth art by Gillam March colors by Arif Pianto and letters by Tom Napolitano. Uh, a bit of a write-off issue. Yes. I, I, if, if I'm I being agree. honest here, um, uh, this issue was used uh, to set up for the Batman Who Laughs issue one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's literally all it was for. Yeah. Um, I mean, it set that up and it set up the next plan of what Luther or what, yeah, like what he's trying to push forward. So then at the end, there was a reveal of Brainiac that, mm-hmm. there, you know, he was going to go contact Brainiac and recruit him onto the team mm-hmm. uh, because now. After the issue, he has lost Manta and he has lost Joker. Yeah. Right. Um, now there's only four. Of them. Four members. Yeah. Right. And he lost Joker because he had promised Joker to not bring on the Batman who laughs. And he brought him on. And he brought him on. <laughs> right. And he's asking him for help and blah blah blah. So Joker didn't want anything to do with that. So because he knows how messed up he is. Exactly. <laughs> he knows how messed up a Batman infused with Joker would be. Yeah. Right. Um, so he decided that he was just going to book it and he took off. Now, the issue the issue that I have with this issue <laughs> is that sorry it, <laughs> is that there were many many times in a story so okay, so okay, let me start from fresh. Okay, from the beginning. I have this weird pet peeve when it comes to fiction. Um, especially when it comes to comic book fiction. Um, that if when like when a character says you can't do something because I got my force shield or force field or whatever to me that's literally saying 
I need to write this part in. So therefore, I'm giving him a force field and it's kind of like plot armor. Mm-hmm. Right? So force fields has always been a really weird thing for me. Like it just sets off this thing where I'm just like, oh, okay, I'm reading plot armor right now. So that happened in the beginning. You know, um, Luther's got the force field on. Joker couldn't get to him. And then Joker says, oh, but I devised something that can only penetrate just slightly into your force field because you need to breathe and I can get to you. And I'm just like, okay, so then you wrote a plot armor onto a plot armor? And you, like, and it just, it, it, it just went like this really odd thing for me where, like, afterwards, where the Joker was trying to, I guess, like, take out Luther, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Luther like is like running away you know and uh, Joker's got access to his like armor and stuff like that and trashed it all up they're continuing trying to one up each other without actually one upping each other yeah and that was weird for me I think the better way to write this particular issue would have been to just have Joker do what he was going to do anyway yeah instead of instead of having that back and forth conversation with luther in the yeah. beginning because if joker knew luther as well as he as he said he knew him in this issue he would have known that luther wouldn't have backed down from that deal yeah with the batman who laughs so then he should have gone ahead and did what he did anyway skip that whole plot armor thing because that was just weird mm-hmm. uh, and then you wouldn't have taken away from the story mm-hmm. you know what i mean because then while joker is uh, is doing what he did which was of course to uh, in, impart another form of Joker gas right then he could have just explained why he was doing what he was doing to Luther and then the whole uh, story could have continued from that point on as as it was mm-hmm. you didn't need that whole back and forth with Luther I didn't think that was necessary and the way that they did it again like you said it was just it was just weird. Yeah. Like it was like, I don't know. It's like, if you're going to one up each other, just one up each other. Yeah. You don't have to tell them you're about to do it yeah. and then not do it. Yeah. Right. And then at the end, it was also weird because he gave them all gas of the, uh, the Joker gas thing. And then just let him go toxin. Yeah. And there was a specific part where he said, I made sure it was potent enough, but that it was non-lethal. And I was like, so again, you just wrote plot armor on, mm-hmm. right? You wrote it like it's written so that it's, oh, it's super strong, but don't worry, no one's going to die because this is a superhero book. Mm-hmm. So like that to me felt odd because that that didn't, to me, didn't line up with the actions of a villain mm-hmm. in a story, you know? Because for all intents and purposes, all of them should have died. Exactly. Yeah. And all of them should have died, and Joker wouldn't have cared. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Joker's only care in the world is to try to best Batman. Yeah. Joker right? only believes in Joker. Exactly. He believes in Joker, and but he believes, you know, in other runs, we have this idea that Joker believes he is the counterpart to Batman, and his existence is for Batman. Mm-hmm. Right? Um to me, that was a pretty powerful message. So I refer to that run a lot. But in this particular story as well, like he's also talking about like, 
he only believes in himself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And Lex was saying how like you're constantly trying to best Batman and prove something, and it's just like a giant waste of time. But that's who Joker is, yeah, right? And that's and his existence. Luther should have known that too, yeah, right? Like Joker only exists for and because of Batman. Yeah, to recruit Joker into any sort of team, it has never ever turned out well. Exactly, because Joker only serves himself. Yeah. Right. And I don't know. The whole th- the whole thing with recruiting Brainiac too, like you can't tell me that's gonna turn out well. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like Brainiac is Brainiac's on another level. He, he's on a on a completely different level from from Gorilla Grodd, from Cheetah, even from Lex, he's on he's yeah. on a completely he's different level. He's in a different league. Okay, so uh Yeah, come back from that. No, there's no coming back from that. Um <laughs> So no, but truthfully, he is. Yeah, and his his intellect is it's just beyond what they could comprehend, mm-hmm. right? And it just seems crazy that that was his next plan. Yeah, is to recruit someone else who's even harder to control. Yeah, than Joker. So I mean, that pretty much confirms that at this point, there's nothing that the Legion of, of Doom can do to win this fight. Yeah. Right, like if you're gonna go as far as to recruit Brainiac, and he recruited him like late because he knew, yeah, he knew that this is gonna be a last minute effort, right? And then you're gonna lose Joker, and now you're up against the Batman who laughs. Uh, there's no way, man. Yeah, and the Batman who laughs is gonna mess him up because and, he and, serves himself as well. Yeah, right. And even the Joker said too, he's like, whatever I thought about doing to you, the Batman who laughs is gonna go way worse right and to think that somebody could do worse than joker is unimaginable yeah so there's no way in in any universe that the legion of doom is going to win exactly however i i am very excited to read the batman who laughs now (laughs) because which is coming out next week next week we we know that we know that the joker and the batman who laughs do not get along Mm -hmm. and i'm when they fought in in uh, metal that was one of the most exciting things oh yeah that was so exciting and I'm excited to read uh, another one of their battles once again, mm-hmm. right? Like you can really just sit back and watch them go at it, yeah. Because exactly. then it's just two people that do not care about killing each other, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a crazy book for sure. So mm-hmm. that's something we're definitely gonna cover. But mm-hmm. you know, with this, it's just I wish I could like it better. And I think the okay to me the execution didn't go the way I thought it would go the idea behind it I think is really I, I think is really well done because the idea is that Joker really just Joker doesn't want to serve other people He his purpose is to serve himself and it's on full display here mm-hmm. and he's shown that he has all of them in the palm of their hands and in the palm of his hands and that if he wanted to he could end them all mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. just like that with mm-hmm. a snap and, it, mm-hmm. and it's over mm-hmm. right but he doesn't need to because they're they're nobody's him, right at the same time because this is a villain focused book or a villain focused arc right these uh, legion of doom parts i felt like joker would have just pulled the trigger on at least one of them yeah right and it's weird that it didn't well i think i think what the joker is trying to get at and what his message was is 
if you want to go ahead and choose the Batman who laughs over choosing me, then you can go. You guys can go ahead and deal with him. I'm out. Yeah, and that was that was his message, right? You guys deal so with. So he's him. not sending any additional message. Like he's just like I'm out. Yeah, and yeah. I, I'm out. And if you want to, if you want to make a deal with him, and 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 deal with the consequences of him afterwards, and that's on you. Mm-hmm. I don't want any part of this, right? Yeah, yeah. Because he's he's already had to deal with him once before, and I'm sure it wasn't a good time for him. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that was the final message, and um. I think that was the only point that Joker was trying to get across. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's go ahead and wrap up Justice League number 13 and let's move on to book number four and that's Venom number nine. Written by Donny Cates with art by Ryan Stegman on pencil, J.P. Mayer on ink, colors by Frank Martin and letters by Clayton Cowles. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's back to Ryan Stegman. Yeah. And this book sort of tells the tale of of his struggle to of Eddie Brock's struggle to continue to find belonging, mm-hmm. right? And he comes to realize and he comes to learn certain things about companionship. Yeah. Um, and this symbiote now is kind of like sort of this dormant guardian. That is just there, acts on its own, mm-hmm. and he ha- he has just no say. Yeah. Right? And and to him, he found that to be just the ultimate form of loneliness. Mm-hmm. Because had someone left or just gone, would have been less painful to knowing than knowing that they're still there. Yeah. Right? But you yeah. just have no say in it. Mm-hmm. He right? felt he feels abandoned. Yeah. And it's like the ultimate form of abandonment. Which mm-hmm. is, it's interesting that that's kind of like, that's kind of the direction they're going after the whole big epic thing that happened in the first arc. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one to go about. Yeah, I think, um, I think what Donnie is trying to do is really develop Eddie Brock as a character, right? Um, we saw a lot of character development in the first arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, character development of who Eddie is with Venom. Now we have to develop who Eddie Brock is without Venom. And then once we've seen a good arc of Eddie Brock's development, then I think at that point they will reintroduce Venom back into the story. Mm -hmm. And then we'll see a very different Eddie who now has an appreciation for Venom in which he didn't have that before in the beginning of uh, of this run, right? Because obviously he was, taking, he was taking those antipsychotic meds to really try and tame... To, to suppress the suppress voice. Suppress the right? voice. So I think there's, there's an ultimate goal here. Uh, well, there's obviously an ultimate goal here. Um as to how Donnie wants Eddie to come out of this. Uh, this is just, to me, it's an it's just a very different way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but it's, it's ultimately a way in which, I think as readers, we can relate to a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And that makes for a much more interesting read. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, it gives an opportunity where it's just he's not just struggling with trying to understand what that voice is, right? Mm-hmm. It's him going, How, what can I do to gain that companionship back, mm-hmm. right? Um, so in this story, we he finds out that he has sort of a, um, I guess, a half-brother. So he goes back and visits yeah. his... Uh, his dad. Yeah. And the reason why he goes and visits his dad in the first place is because he realizes that he has hangups um from from when he was much younger, hangups about his father that he feels personally that he needs to face head on uh before he well face it head on as part of his journey to reacquire venom. Mhm. Yeah. Right. Now, the interesting part here is so he learns that there's a there's this new kid, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But the interesting part is his sister just seems like she no longer exists. Yeah, yeah. Now I wonder if it's just the father's sort of like defensive mechanism and just be like, "No, go away, get out of my life." Like yeah. that part of my life is over. Or he has, some, or he literally some bad dementia. That, or just literally, she didn't exist. Which is now that co- will bring up a a consequence of the secret war. Yes. Yeah. But in secret war, this is the the six one six universe is one that survived, mm-hmm. right? He's from six one six. When he had that meeting with Miles, he told Miles, "It's like I don't know what your venom did to you, but that's mm-hmm. not me." Yeah. He's from this world. Miles is not. Mm-hmm. Right. So truthfully, nothing in this world should have changed. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Unless there were consequences of like actually rewriting certain courses of history right um, through that combination mm-hmm. of what's happening right but really in that story I think they were just knocking out other universes not so much combining them mm-hmm. um, so it's it'll be interesting to see how they it, how they explain that because yeah. I think that has a bigger implication on the overall Marvel U than him you know trying to reconnect with his dad yeah I think it's a case of his father having dementia because to me that makes sense as to how Donnie is writing the story mm-hmm. um, this could be a potential way of him reconnecting and getting closer with his father again and as a result uh, changing Eddie, who Eddie Brock is as a person and then when Venom comes back, he becomes a much stronger Venom because of that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, he basically becomes like the new Agent Venom, right? In terms of how his relationship will work uh, with the symbiote, just as how uh, Flash did with, um, with Venom, right? So, I think it's just a way for him to learn how to appreciate relationships a bit more. Mm hmm. And then uh, creating a much stronger bond moving forward, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that ult- ultimately, that redemption, I think, will be sort of like the height mm-hmm. of where the story goes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I wonder if he's going to reach that before he comes face to face with Carnage. It could be when he meets up with Carnage. Then he like gets just back. right before he gets his gets his uh, butt smoked. <laughs> then he just goes like oh, Super Saiyan yeah yeah so, something back, similar yeah. to that extent I feel like is 
sort of how I feel Donnie will write it. Um, I get the sense it's that's his writing style, mm-hmm. right? So again, we'll. I hate saying this, but we'll have to see <laughs> how it goes, right? Yeah. No, I mean definitely we'll have to see how it develops, but it's interesting yeah. to to I guess ponder. Of course, because yeah. it's yeah it there it's cool that Venom is still there. Mm-hmm. It's just that Venom really just 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 works on his own yeah and there's no way for them to really connect so like you at points where eddie wants to say something or eddie doesn't Mm -hmm. want the venom to come out or whatever like venom just goes wild maybe while he's fighting carnage he acquires that codex um that carnage absorbed with null and then maybe that's what reconnects uh the venom symbiote to the hive and then reawakens his personality within eddie could be yeah i okay. feel like that's probably a good direction in which they could go yeah but again i i'm no donny kate so it's uh, <laughs> i mean if we were we would be writing just we'd be writing many good books many many we're good not books. i'm a plumber you're just some guy so <laughs> wow <laughs> wow <laughs> not not to disrespect you but i mean truthfully well this guy is <laughs> truthfully what what Nothing, don't worry about it. I love you, man. <laughs> Thanks. Well, this guy is going to wrap up conversation on this book. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to add to Venom? No, no. I think um, it's a pretty somber type of. It's a. It's 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 thing. very tame. This issue. Yeah. Oh, I do want to mention. Um, reveal at the end of this book is that um, the brother comes, the half brother comes, uh, clearly looking like he got abused, he mm-hmm. got beat up mm-hmm. by his dad, and he tells Eddie. Uh, we need to kill our dad, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and I wonder where that goes because you, I think at this point Eddie just doesn't really want to get involved in that anymore. Clearly, the father wants him out of his life, mm-hmm. so he's not gonna go and try to do something like that. Um, so I wonder if if that's if seeing a half brother beat up and abused is going to somehow trigger him, or even trigger the symbiote to go after his dad mm-hmm. again like i feel like this is an opportunity for eddie to learn how to value relationships more yeah because he does talk about relationships quite a bit in this issue right so i think this is an opportunity for him to do that and again the the ultimate goal is that redemption yeah right yeah for sure okay so let's go ahead and move on to the last book of this week which is Shazam number one, a brand new Shazam ongoing series. Very excited. Jeff Johns. <laughs> I am so happy that... That you decided to write Shazam. I'm just happy just that you just decided to come back and write, period. Well, no, he's been writing. I know, but just... But not like that regularly, I guess. Yeah, like when... I'm talking like new 52 regular Jeff Johns. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is uh, two parts actually is the main story and the backup story so the main story is written by Jeff Johns with art by Dale Eaglesham colors by Mike Atiyeh and letters by Rob Lee and the backup story is written by Jeff Johns with art by Mayo Sen Nato and letters by Rob Lee I think I butchered that uh, the artist name you probably did but, you uh, usually do but that's I funny. usually do I usually do but yet Yet I keep going. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is a really, I think it's a wonderful issue. Um, it really brings out 
the youthful joy of them achieving things that they've always wanted to achieve yeah right and have and giving them the ability to do things that perhaps other people won't step up to do Mm -hmm. right what i like about this run uh of shazam is that now we're reading uh, a much older billy batson right it looks like a billy batson that's in high school now yeah a billy batson that has already gone past the uh I hate this entire family thing. Yeah. And he's very much like with a family. Yeah. And I like that because now we can have Shazam and Billy Batson as a character tackle more mature things. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, more mature topics. And uh, knowing the kind of readers that we are, that will make for a much more in-depth reading experience Mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure and it i think it's cool that every character is uh like they have their own personas Mm -hmm. because watching the inter like the uh interactions during that dinner that they were having Mm -hmm. is is them just going like oh like this superhero is so cool this hero is so cool and it's really them able to 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 go and achieve things that they've always wanted their heroes to be, you know, mm-hmm. they can be who they look up to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's that that's really, to me, that's a really endearing thing about these guys, yeah. about these kids, right? Mm-hmm. And that they're actually doing what they want to set out to do. Mm-hmm. It they they provide that sense of um, adventure that we all seeked, yeah, or that we all sought. Seeked is not a word that we all sought when we were younger, yeah. right? Um, it plays off of sort of that that little adventurer inside of us. Yeah, and well, we um, put like the little towels over our backs. Yeah, be a hero. <laughs> <laughs> except again, now that they're much older, they can still provide that same sense of adventure for readers, but face much more uh, mature themes mm-hmm. and more dangerous adversaries. And more I dangerous guess. adversaries uh, moving forward, mm-hmm. which I think is a, uh, I think that's a good combination. Yeah. Right. Um, it it's not quite as serious as say uh, like a Justice League title, um, but not quite as kiddish as say like like a younger Billy Batson would be. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Or even like I would say like this kind of straddles a line in between like Justice League and Teen Titans. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like it's not quite Teen Titans, but it's not quite Justice League. It's like a good happy medium in between. Yeah, I mean, again, it's only the first issue. We don't know we don't how, know. Yeah, how yeah, it's sure. gonna turn out, for right? Sure. Um, but uh, I've really enjoyed this issue so far. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way that the family interacts, I feel like that connection, that relationship that Billy has with his family, is something that. Um, we all seek for as, mm-hmm. as as people, right? And I think that that is part of what makes reading this so fun mm-hmm. is we can put ourselves in their shoes, right? And really make the most of the story that's being told. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so there was the part in this book that they discovered the... 
what they call the station, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in the station, there were, there were seven different stations actually, and I think the middle one, like they alluded to, like that middle one's that big Shazam one. Um, and in this magic lands, there were seven different stations, and it looks like it was the seven different, uh, the seven different wizards mm-hmm. type of thing, right? Um, so I wonder if if that's what they need to do, like split up, find these stations, and like light up a whole new world, like bring back this other world type of thing. Yeah, and I think or, that would be really cool. Or acquire the powers of each wizard. Right, yeah, because then right now they just have the Wizard Shazam. Yeah. Right, so that'd be really cool, actually, if they go in. Oh, my goodness. That's Jeff Johns doing to this franchise what he did to the Green Lantern Corps. Oh, yeah. Is adding all those different emotions. Now he's bringing in the different wizards? <laughs> <laughs> it's time, man. It's time. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited <laughs> for this book. I'm, now I'm just more excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, because it, yeah, it didn't dawn on me that it was just the Wizard Shazam. Like it didn't, it wasn't the other ones, mm-hmm. right? So because be it's really just cool. Shazam sharing his powers with his siblings. Exactly. But yeah. They each are an extension of the same power. Yeah. Right. Imagine if they were to each acquire their, their own, own form of power from yeah. each different wizard. Like they would very much be the real Lightning League at that point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the different names were really funny. The Lightning League. And what was it like? The uh, Justice, Spark- <laughs> the Sparkly Friends, yeah. the Super Sorcerers, the Thunder Squad. Thunder Squad's cool. Thunder Squad's, Thunder Squad's cool. cool. The Magic Men. <laughs> <laughs> and the Philadelphia Wizards. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so you're, you're what, like a football team? Yeah. Or... <laughs> I'm really, I, I, I think Lightning League fits the best. which is Or Thunder Squad. Yeah. yeah Thund- which is why they mentioned Lightning League as as sort of like their first reference yeah yeah right? when they were telling the tv like the tv reporters yeah and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and then that reveal at the end another uh crazy little twist yep billy batson's father yep who looks exactly like shazam <laughs> <laughs> he looks <laughs> now i wonder i wonder if it's actually shazam um like actually billy's father or if it's actually Shazam, like from like a future or something. Yeah. And then coming back to warn him about something. Mm-hmm. Many possibilities. Many. Uh, it certainly doesn't look like somebody who would really be his father. Yeah. Because it's just he's just too... He's, he's too, too on the he's nose. He's too clean cut. Too clean cut. And he's too on the nose with how he looks. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, no matter who shows up at the door, I think if they said that they're Billy's father... You would be okay if they looked different. Yeah. He's too on the nose. He should look like the guy from Cold Spots. <laughs> okay, not that old. But... <laughs> he should look like... Uh... But this man this man showed up looking like Clark Kent. Yeah, no, like, exactly. It's like Not even just Clark Kent. He looked like Superman. Yeah, Sorry. I was like, you're too clean cut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> too all-American. <laughs> yeah. Something, something's fishy here, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that reveal happened. So I wonder where that... I wonder where that ended up going. So we'll have to see where that develops. But mm-hmm. it's cool that it's cool that that's you know that they're bringing back even more mythos about Billy Batson as a character, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, I mean, what's exciting about this is that Jeff Johns does a really good job of introducing new mythos within an already existing universe. Yeah, right. So, I. 
I'm preparing myself for a lot of new Shazam stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, which I'm assuming is going to start from his father and this station. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if the father knows more about those stations. That would be really cool. That would be cool. Yeah. I doubt it, but yeah. we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens, yeah. <laughs> All right, so do you have anything uh, you want to cap off this uh, book with? I think we both covers everything in this Pretty book, Pretty much right? covers yeah. everything. It's a fun fun it, little book. Oh, yeah. wait, no. The, the, no, uh, no, no. the side the ba- story. The backup story. Yeah. Let's talk about that. That was really fun. Uh, I really enjoyed the art style. It was dr- it was drawn in uh, in a very manga, manga style. Yeah, I think it was. A, I think she's an, uh, a manga artist. Mm-hmm. So the the art style itself is really it is very much with that with manga art mm-hmm. style, but it's fully co- fully colored, and and the color uh, really fits yeah. that style too. Yeah. Like it's very like pastel kind of colors. Mm-hmm. Um. Which really matches like manga art in general. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, but the story itself, like, it's really, it's a story about Mary mm-hmm. and how she goes about meeting the family in which ultimately she ends up being adopted into. Mm-hmm. And Freddie, I believe, right? Are children really treated that poorly? In in some in some cases, I feel like they are, and it's really sad. I I feel like they are. I feel like they are, and I feel like it's one of those. Like I I think they do it. They do have to show almost like an extreme version of it, mm-hmm. so that you you understand why they have certain attitudes when they go into their foster homes. Yeah, but it is something that very much is reflective of how a lot of children are treated nowadays yeah yeah well not all not nowadays you make it sound like all children are no no a lot like a lot like a lot of them that need to end up going to foster homes Mm -hmm. like that that really is like the reality yeah right and it's and it's really unfortunate but it's i'm glad that this backup story highlights that Mm -hmm. right because then it really gives life uh to the characters that we're reading right because now we understand their history why they behave a particular way and why they use the powers the way that they use them it's it's cool i'm I'm actually reading about it right now and um she so she's a japanese comic creator but she's a huge fan of shazam Ah. so she does a lot of fan art of shazam and apparently she she met Jeff Johns at the uh, Warner Brother office. So that this is coming from an article from Bleeding Cool. Um, so because she had an involve, she had involvement with DC Zoom. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> she then drew Captain Marvel slash Shazam on the on uh, on uh, Jeff Johns's wall, and apparently it made an impression on her that she's like, "Hey, come come draw this uh, the backup story." Yeah. So it, it's pretty cool. Like they 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 got this Japanese artist. Um, like a manga artist and telling these American tales and I, and I think it actually fits it meshes really well together I wouldn't mind especially with a character like Shazam yeah I wouldn't mind more comics being drawn in that art style exactly yeah I think to add a little bit more diversity to American storytelling mm-hmm. North American storytelling in general uh, I think adding a little bit of diversity in terms of the artwork to those stories, I think would really add a very 
different element. It mm-hmm. wouldn't work for all characters. Yeah. Right? You wouldn't draw it, Batman that way, it, but... Yeah. Like, Batman has a very specific way. They did yeah. Batmanga, and they did, like, uh, Batman Ninja, which is kind of like <laughs> Bat- that. Batman Ninja. That <laughs> was a horrible series. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I don't know. I like the movie. It was know, so man. bombastic. So, I, I, I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool. But... It, yeah, you have to take certain characters and give them that treatment. Yeah. I feel like I feel like this character works. I feel like the Teen Titans will work really Teen well. Will work that way, right? yeah. I feel like, um, like and from the Marvel side, you would do like Miss Marvel that way. Anything that that doesn't have like a very mature underlying theme would work. Like a very yeah. If it's too dark, it just it wouldn't just work. wouldn't work. Yeah. I feel like even even like Flash would kind of work, but it would be like a, a more lighthearted from time to time. Yeah, from right. Time to like time, maybe yeah. not like every issue, but I think a, a, you know certain issues here and there, mm-hmm. it would really work. Yeah, yeah. So it, it it's interesting that now that this is kind of the direction they went with the backup story here, it opens the opportunity for a lot more manga artists to now being able to to come to North American comics and be like, hey, you know. Why don't we do a little collaboration? Yeah. Why don't you show us, you know, that type of style? And trust us when we say that many readers would welcome that. Oh, for, for sure. sure, for sure. I I definitely do. Mm-hmm. I think I think this backup story is really well done, really well drawn. Uh, the emotions were all there, and the best part of it is when they turn, when they call Shazam at the end, and. Uh, they get their powers and they go off to join, uh, which I believe is the beginning, beginning of, the, of the issue, the, the first part of the issue, yeah. right? The bunny that she ends up saving, and so now it's like the now it's like their pet, pet mm-hmm. bunny, Hoppy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hoppy gets the soup, like gets the Shazam powers, <laughs> and Hoppy goes flying out the window, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that is the coolest thing. I want to know what happens to Hoppy next. Maybe there's going to be a Hoppy tie-in series. What? <laughs> if this becomes a Hoppy backup, that would be just insanely cool. Oh, it would be for sure. The coolest new uh, new hero that Jeff Jones has created in a, in a in a long time will be Hoppy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I think that that about covers that book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that about covers our uh, comic discussion. So why don't we go ahead and talk a little bit about that coffee we've been having? Well, why don't you tell take me? Take us, what... uh, take us away. No, no, no. You tell me what, what your thoughts huh? are on this coffee. Tell me what your thoughts are on this coffee. What do you think about it so far? All right, fine. I think it's very smooth. Okay. I think there's an underlying fruity note, but it's not as normally a lot of like when for me actually I found that a lot of times when a fruit note is very strong. It's also very much coupled with a heavier earthy tone because they, they sort of like try to bring each other out in a yeah. way. For me, a lot of the flavors in this were pretty mild, pretty calm. So the fruity note is there, but it's calmer. And it's also not as earthy. I find that with fruity coffee. notes, when they're really prevalent in a coffee, it comes off very, it's like a wave of of freshness in the mouth if that makes sense mm-hmm. so like a wave of crispness in the okay. coffee yeah, yeah almost like like when you drink juice or cold water there's that that crispness to it mm-hmm. i feel like this coffee has it and now that it's a little bit colder because we've been sipping it for the last hour um i feel like it comes out really strong now yeah um i'm thinking something like a like a cranberry a raspberry or a grape 
something along. I was along gonna go the, with grape. Something along those lines. Yeah, for me it was gonna be grape. Yeah, I feel like there's also some chocolate in there too. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go with chocolate. One of the fruits I just mentioned. <laughs> Do you feel like there's a third note in there? I almost felt like there was a um, there was like a uh, honeydew. Okay, but not strong. Yeah. What what is that other fruit that is uh, that you get on fruit cakes? Cantaloupe. Cantaloupe. Yeah. You know what? Not honeydew. Cantaloupe. Okay. That's where I'm like I'm pitching them both now, and my eyes are shifting closer to the yeah. cantaloupe. To me, I get a little bit of that. I haven't had that cake in a long time. Well, you know. Maybe when you, should, when you go into a supermarket, first thing you're not gonna you're not gonna look at a fruit cake. First, you're gonna look at chocolate. Maybe cake. that's what we'll do after after this episode. We'll we'll go and pick up a fruit cake and just enjoy it. No, but then I'm gonna look at the fruit cake and I'm look at the chocolate cake beside it. I'm just gonna get the chocolate cake. So you wouldn't get the fruit cake. I'll get the chocolate cake. Fair enough. <laughs> do you want to get the fruit cake over the chocolate cake? You know what? Over let's, certain. You know over, what? Let's do it. Let's go get a fruit cake and then we can talk about it next week. Yeah. See how that fruit cake comes out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're gonna go with chocolate. Grape, grape and cantaloupe. cantaloupe? Okay, let's yeah. let's see what what we got here. Chocolate, cherry, mm. and blackberry jam. Jam, just a jam packed oh, episode, huh? Goodness. Stop this. <laughs> so you know we were we were close. We were not close. We were blackberry uh, jam. Uh, oh man, we were close. <laughs> I can see the cherry. I can see the okay. cherry. Yeah. I, I blackberry jam maybe. I, 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 I've never had blackberry I, jam. I typically associate jams with a much more of a sour tasting note. Yeah, which I don't really get a lot of in this coffee. But I can see where they're coming from with that blackberry jam. That's crazy. <laughs> well, I mean that. <laughs> but overall, this coffee is is really good. I think the flavor profile is very balanced. Mm-hmm. I think it's not too acidic. Um, and I certainly feel that this is a coffee that I could drink every day and be completely satisfied with. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. I do feel like the smoothness, it do- it doesn't make you, it doesn't like hit you in a sense where like jolts you right away. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like it's something that you can just kind of sip away. Right, you know? right. It's nice. All right, so I think um, I think our little coffee break time is over, mm-hmm. and I think we're being called into the boardroom here. Are we? Yeah. Okay. I think uh, there's a meeting going on up there. We should probably take the elevator up to the boardroom and uh, see what we got to do. All right, let's head on out. Let's do it. We have arrived at our boardroom that we said we were going to go to because we're here as part of a brand new segment called the Humble Hero Agency. Now, what we do here (laughs) is we're out scouring the internet, recruiting heroes that we think will be good for our cause, which is to vanquish evil, as always. (laughs) (laughs) And we found this really interesting... um, superhero fanon where just a lot of people on the internet coming together and creating superheroes and creating 
different scenarios and stuff like that origin stories all that other stuff and we thought it was really cool and we wanted to share some of those with you guys and so this segment will be us as representatives of the humble hero agency <laughs> to go out and find suitable heroes to join our cause and to join our team and to join the fight forevermore against the villains of this world so victor yes who is our first recruit our first recruit, our first candidate, his name is Clenchjaw. Clenchjaw. Nice. Clenchjaw is a renegade superhero with a short temper, fragile ego, and a penchant for ultraviolence. <laughs> his appearance. Clenchjaw's appearance is very distinctive. His mutant physiology gives him a rather bizarre, distorted physique. He has a massive barrel chest, thick arms, chunky fingers, and tiny, tiny feet all with thick muscles that appear to be constantly tensed. His right eye glows yellow, while the left one is so small it appears to be closed. He wears a constant grimace that leads to his unfortunate nickname. <laughs> he wears a bright yellow and red bodysuit that unfortunately emphasizes his physique in somewhat distressing ways. His cybernetic right arm is clearly visible with no sleeve covering it. His uniform is adorned with innumerable pouches, most of which are too small to be of any actual use and are in places he couldn't easily access anyway. <laughs> Clenchjaw does not maintain a secret identity and probably wouldn't be able to anyway. <laughs> so, I'm just imagining somebody just, just tons of pockets <laughs> for no reason, just has tons of pockets. <laughs> he has tons of pockets, tons of utility belts that he can't, he just he can't, he can't use. <laughs> it's, just, it's literally just there for his appearance. <laughs> Reading the description for Clenchjaw, which you can find on superfandom.wikia.com, Clenchjaw, the picture for Clenchjaw is on point. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. And yeah, he really couldn't keep up a secret uh, secret identity. Like, it really is just a big guy with small feet and tons of pockets. <laughs> yeah, and one of his eye really is, like, just not there. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, if you look at the picture, he has, a, he has a pocket on, like, the top right of his shoulder. And the top left. Like, yeah, there's just like no how way would you access it. that? And what would you put in there? <laughs> it just makes no sense. <laughs> it wouldn't be house keys, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. What are his powers? His powers and abilities. Clenchjaw is a mutant from the future born with inherent abilities. Far stronger than a normal human, he is also very resilient. Furthermore, he has advanced mutant regeneration factor that allows him to recover from harm. The full extent of his regenerative capabilities are unknown. Additionally, he has an innate ability to detect other mutants. However, he is most known for his massive railgun, his signature weapon. Seemingly too heavy for a normal person to lift, he is capable of firing a wide variety of ammunition to allow him to mow down his foes in whatever form of overkill he deems necessary. <laughs> he seems to be somewhat overly emotionally dependent on the gun. When it was disabled once by a desolator, he seemed to have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Beside his gun... Clenshaw has a cybernetic right arm, presumably coming from the same futuristic time period that he and his weapon came from. Similarly, he carries a futuristic sword that resembles a katana and appears to be highly proficient with it. So he's kind of like um, 
Cable. Cable, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's kind of like Cable. It's kind of like Cable. That's cool. Like a really, like, emotionally fragile Cable. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it, it would appear that because of where he comes from, perhaps that he he's built he's got that built in emotional connection with some of these weapons that he carries yeah they could be just like emotional extensions of himself and mm-hmm. that's why when those things go down or get you know whatever he actually isn't so much emotional because they were lost but emotional because he's connected to them yeah in a way right mm-hmm. so that'll be that's actually kind of cool you can come up with some really cool stories with that I guess so, yeah. But then it will be offset by like his just massive physique and his very disproportionate look. <laughs> I feel tiny, like tiny legs. Yeah, but I feel like you know it would be like um, he he <laughs> he will look like a, a mix of Juggernaut, Cable, and like Deathstroke. I feel like he would look like a combination of. Cable and uh, Colossus. Oh, Colossus. Okay, that makes more but sense. But with size five shoes. With size five shoes. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> how do you even walk? Like, how do you carry your weight when your feet are so small? <laughs> yeah, you're, that's. So and how true. do you even that's hold? Like, how do you even like hold the rail gun and and like the uh, and I fall over the, and the recoil it. yeah the recoil <laughs> like your feet would just would not support it unless he has like a super wide stance yeah <laughs> like it's really like unnecessarily wide just <laughs> like just, he's essentially just squatting <laughs> yeah he's just doing a Shaolin squat yeah <laughs> interesting hero yeah interesting hero because um because you can do a lot of really cool stuff with that like futuristic cybernetic stuff yeah um, and <laughs> it would do well to like it. Just it's just offset by his appearance, yeah. Which I think would make for some like really cool stories, like like if you were to be paired up with like Deadpool or something, yeah. Because like you would do some serious stuff, but like there's also that like underlining comedy yeah. to it. He he is yeah. very much a Deadpool universe kind of character. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, <laughs> for sure. So what do you think, Jerry? We uh we giving Clenchjaw a stamp of approval are we allowing him to come join the humble hero agency he seems humble enough <laughs> <laughs> all right stamped a plus clench jaw welcome to the you know, and you know why he will be humble it's yeah. because he just gets so emotionally attached yeah. to his weapons yeah he will be totally humble <laughs> yeah we Let's let's add him on board. And really, the goal of the humble hero agency is to get as many heroes as we Just can. Just we'll accept anyone. <laughs> Everyone's gonna start somewhere. Everyone's right? gonna so start somewhere. <laughs> humble hero agency is where I think yeah. this this man will. Start. So welcome aboard to humble hero agency. You will receive your union card in the mail shortly. <laughs> the union card. <laughs> All right, so that's our first ever segment. Our first ever, uh, yeah, our first ever go at these at this brand new segment for Humble Hero Agency, <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to the to the plethora of heroes we'll be adding to the agency. I'm looking forward to all the future applicants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Um, okay, so that about wraps up that segment. And before we wrap up the show, we just want to talk to you about the books that we'll be covering next week. <laughs> we'll be covering two books that actually came out this week, which was Die Number 1 and Green Lantern Number 2. So Die is a brand new series from Kieran Gillen. 
Um, and it promises to be really cool. Very fast elevator pitch is kind of like goth Jumanji is how he would put it. And uh, that's already got me excited. Mm-hmm. So definitely want to talk about that book next week. Green Lantern number two is also out from this week. We're going to be talking about that next week as well. We just think that universe will be way too big to talk about in this episode. Especially we're already at five bucks, oh, right? Yeah, oh, so yeah. we're going to go ahead and cover that next week. Also out, we're going to be talking about God of War number two. Batman Damned number two, which is huge, huge book. And Batman Who Laughs number one. Again, that's another the, huge that's a staple issue we have. Yeah, to so I, that's going to end cap our episode. So another another five issue week. Yep. But I think this week has proven that we are more than capable of doing that. Yeah, so. I think so. I, I think we do a pretty good job, as, especially if we try to condense it down a little yeah, bit. We get are, to the main points. You know, we, tr- we truly are the humble hero agency. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Now, before we sign off, uh, we also want to tell you that uh, something I kind of forgot to mention at the beginning of the show. Uh, after next week's episode, we'll be taking a two-week break for the winter holidays uh, because the two weeks after that, the two release days after that is December 25th, which is Christmas, and January 1st, which is the new year. So we'll be taking those two weeks off. So this episode will go live, next episode will go live, and then we'll be taking two weeks off, and then we'll return yeah. and cover maybe like 70 books. I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll, there, we'll provide another lot. <laughs> reminder. We'll provide another reminder next week. But, yeah, for uh, sure, for sure. And uh, we're going to have to do some catch-up when we come back. But... Uh, It'll all be worth it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And we will always forever remain humble. <laughs> <laughs> so we thank you for tuning in to this episode. We hope you have enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed the brand new segment as well. And if you have any really cool superhero ideas, definitely let us know. Shoot us an email. Uh, remember, if you like what we do on this podcast, please hit that subscribe button on the podcast service provider of your choice. We can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, all the places in the world. So... Remember, rate, leave us a review on iTunes or any other platform if you have some time. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about the show, about what we've talked about, or if you got a book you want us to discuss on the show, send us an email at contact at darkrosecomics.com. You can also find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash darkrosecomics. You can find myself on Twitter at twitter.com slash jarethebear52. Brand new handle. I'm going to keep saying that. <laughs> and twitter.com slash Victor J. Young for my co-host Victor. You can also find us on Instagram at instagram.com slash darkrosecomics. You can find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash darkrosecomics. And if you want to be a part of the community, you can join our Facebook group at Dark Rose Comics Group. And as always, take care. Goodbye.